Hi, everyone. It's West Virginia Talk. I am James. And I'm Jerry. And uh, last week we talked about the Hatfield-McCoy feud, and this week we're going to talk about the Hatfield-McCoy trail system in the state of West Virginia. It's the second largest ATV trail system in America, second to... I can't remember the name of it, Jerry. It's somewhere out in Utah, but uh, it's like it's spelled P A I U T E. I don't know how you'd pronounce that. Well, I wouldn't even attempt. Yeah, so Peyote ATV Trail, Peyote Trail. That's that's probably it. (laughs) So uh, West Virginia's uh, uh, Hatfield McCoy Trail now uh, encompasses a thousand miles of trails, and um, we're going to talk about a couple specifically. Uh, on the phone with us right now, she works for the Tug Valley Area Convention and Visitors Bureau, and her name is Tanya Webb, and we uh, welcome her in. Hi, Tanya. Hello. How are you guys? Great. So let's get right in this. The Hatfield-McCoy Trail, it's been around roughly 20 years. What exactly was uh, the vision for this thing? Who got the ball rolling? Why did they want to do this? Um you know, just tell us what you know about the Hatfield-McCoy Trail as a whole. Well, you know, West Virginia is blessed with some of, you know, beautiful nature and scenery and the mountains, of course. It's, it's you know, kind of second to none. So um, they were just, you know, very fascinated with it. And with the Hatfield-McCoy feud history, it just kind of went hand in hand. And the first system that was actually the first trail system that was put into place was in the area that I'm located in, which is in uh, Mingo County, West Virginia. So um, we have the Buffalo Mountain, Devil Ants, and Rock House through here is the ones that you can connect with. Uh, Buffalo Mountain is kind of closer to me, which is in the city of Williamson. But it was just kind of a draw to um, hopefully uh, build tourism in the state and just draw riders from all over. And it's, it's really, really been um, a great experience, and I think it's really given a boost to Southern West Virginia. So let me ask you this: um, the, the the trails themselves uh, for people who aren't ATV knowledgeable, or they don't have one, or that kind of thing, and it's hard for them to picture exactly what these trails are. Are, are a lot of these trails through towns? Well, the actual trails are through mountains, There's, but the the towns that are associated with them are tra- what we call trail friendly. Um, you can literally ride off of Buffalo Mountain into the city of Williamson and go straight to grab you a bike to eat. Or if you're lodging here in, West, in Williamson, you can just ride up straight to your hotel or your Airbnb or wherever you're located. And, and the same with the other little towns as well. Um, so that that kind of appeals to a lot of people. I talked to a lot of trail riders that are not from West Virginia and they, you know, their states are not as trail friendly. And so they can't ride on the main roads or they can't ride in their cities. They have to find private property or things like that to ride on. So for them to come here and just be able to park their vehicles and ride their ATV or dirt box anywhere they want to go is such a huge draw for them. And they really enjoy that. And it's probably pretty important that the cities are that way because y'all have a pretty significant amount of mileage. So this gives those riders the opportunity to go to the gas station, too, and top off, correct? Yes, yes. They they can pretty, like I said, they can get off like where we're located off Trail 10 in Williamson. They can literally ride in town, grab a bite to eat, get some gas. And it's just really, you know... I think helpful for them so they don't have to be riding or trailering everywhere they have to go, which can be a nuisance sometimes. So that that's kind of an attraction and a draw for so many people. So, I mean, 
I'm not going to say obviously, but in my mind, it's got to be a boost for the economy in southern West Virginia. Were businesses really uh, accepting the trail system with open arms or were some hesitant to accept it the way it is? Well, it was kind of a combination of both. When the trail system came into play, and forgive me if I'm wrong, I think they've been close to around 20 years now, uh, I want to say. But um, unfortunately, my city of Williamson was one of the last ones to kind of do it. Our, our, our predecessors before us was not very, you know, I, I think they really didn't understand the economics behind it. And I think, um, you know, just kind of stigmatism as what it would do. Um, but one of our cities in um, in Mingo County, which was Gilbert, was one of the first ones to really adopt them and welcome. And if you guys know anything about Gilbert, they host one of the biggest um, trail fests in, in October. It's one of the, you know, biggest festivals for ATVs that's been around for a long time. And they've really, really made it something special. It was, it's one of, you know, it's nationally recognized. And a lot of people come from everywhere to, to join that. And they, they kind of jumped on board very quickly. And then the other cities and towns were kind of quick to follow that after that. Now, Williamson was, was a little bit slow, but thankfully we have a mayor now who's, who adopts it and embraces it. And he really is for it. And um, he has interviewed several times. He always welcomes trail riders. Um, he will even go out there and greet them personally. So <laughs> wow. he, he welcomes them because you're right. It is a, a huge boost to our little town. You know, our, our county as as you know many counties in west virginia lost a lot when we lost a lot of coal mining jobs and railroading jobs so when trail riders come into our towns and, and eat at the restaurants or stay in our you know lodging and and get gas at our gas stations or do whatever they need to do it does give an economic boost so i'm happy to see williamson on that path and and uh, we started actually an atv festival in the spring uh, gilbert does theirs in the fall and we do ours in the spring. We have ours at the end of April. We call it Dirt Days. Um, we're in our third year of it, and we have grown every year. And this year, our numbers have really exceeded um, expectations. And we're getting a lot of first-time riders from all over. Um, I was kind of mapping it yesterday while we were planning some of the events and things. And um, we have people coming from Canada to Florida to you know North Dakota. I mean, it is just kind of wild. And, and I love that. And I mean, you know, for them to come to our little town, you know, for that, uh, the, I can't speak enough about the Half Hill McCoy trail system. If, if you've never been on it, even if you're not a huge ATV enthusiast or dirt bike enthusiast, I think you should at least go on it for once. If for nothing else, just for a relaxing ride and some great views. Jerry and I are fighting over the next question here, but I, <laughs> I want out. What I was going to ask you was, is uh, what's the, uh, the, location that was farthest away from the Hatfield and McCoy trails that someone came to ride them and how did people from North Dakota Canada Florida even know about the trail system well you know that they it spans over different counties and I and I don't know um, I'm probably not well versed in the other counties um, because the Hatfield McCoy trails that there's at least seven different trails so the ones I'm most familiar with, of course, are the ones in Mingo County. So I can only really speak for those. Um, but they, the Trail Authority does a great job, and uh, the Tourism Department in West Virginia does a great job promoting those. Um, they are—I um, can't tell you how many hits they get on their website. You know, for people just Google and Hatfield McCoy trails. But the just the I think the ideal, you know, and especially when COVID hit, you know, people were trying to find things to do that was, you know, they could social distance and still be outside and still enjoy some little fun when when you couldn't really, you know, do much of anything during that time. So I think the boost 
uh, with that kind of helped a whole lot. And then I know with our situation, um, just getting in contact. I'm a big social media person. I use it a lot to reach out to people that are interested in that. And then we do a lot of advertising and trail magazines, um, you know, people that and, and really honestly, word of mouth. You know, once you get a when they when trail riders come in, they very rarely come in as solos. It's usually a group, a group of guys, a group of women. And now we're seeing a trend in families. So they'll bring their whole family here to spend, a, you know, either a weekend or a week to do things and, and see the historical sites and, and things of that nature. So um, word of mouth is always huge in the trail riding community. We join Facebook pages, discussion pages, you know, so we're always on there plugging, you know, hey, if you're going to come to the Williamson area, this is what you can do. Now, you said y'all have three trails in your county, correct? Yes, the main trails in Mingo County are Buffalo, Devil Ants, and Rock House. But there is also others. You know, Logan County has a few. Wayne County has some. And they're, they're developing more. I mean, it's a, it's a constant. You know, they're always trying to revolve, you know, build more and add more. And like I said, the Happy McCoy Trail System, they're, they're really good about keeping the trails up to date, keeping them, um, you know, so riders are not having to, to go to some very rough, you know, that they don't keep up. So I have to give them a shout out for keeping the trails in the great shape that they are. All right. So which one's your favorite and why? Well, of course, you know, I live in Williamson, so I'm partial to Buffalo Mountain for several reasons. Um, I love Buffalo because it's one of the oldest trails and it's one of the most historic trails. Um, it leads you into several cities that you can really get some of the history, um, but also like Devil Ants too. Devil Ants will lead you into the city of uh, Matewan, into the little town of Matewan, who, you know, of course, that's where most of the Hatfield-McCoy feud took place, and they have a lot of great um, sites that you can see there. Uh, Buffalo Mountain, to me, there, there's just so many different spots. I, I'm very much a nature person. I love the scenic views that you can get. Um, there's a place off Buffalo Mountain called Death Rock that you can um, go up to and, and just overlook the city of Williamson and Kentucky, where we border Kentucky. You can actually see parts of it. And it's just such an amazing view, just very peaceful. Um, the, the other thing that I think I really like about Buffalo Mountain, even though I'm not a dirt bike rider, is uh, Buffalo Mountain is um, out all the Hatfield-McCoy trail system. Buffalo Mountain has the most single track for dirt bike riders than any of the other trails. Okay. So we, we really appeal to dirt bike riders because it, it, you know, even though they like the regular trails as well, they also like having their little thing because, you know, dirt bikes are built a little bit different. They like a little bit more challenges than a side-by-side or an ATV or whatever. So um, it, it just has a little, you know, just a little unique history and a little bit more to offer in my opinion. And I got another question for you. It's kind of off the wall here, but with the reintroduction of elk into the state of West Virginia, is there any concern with them spreading out and getting into the trail system at all in y'all's area? So far, we've not had any issues with that. Um, I know it's been brought up and people have, you know, said that. But of course, anytime you ride up in the hills, you're always going to, you know, we always said trail riders that run across a, a rattlesnake or two or something or maybe even a bear. So anytime you're riding in the wildlife, you always have to be careful. And we just kind of caution everybody and the Hatfield McCoy Trail System and Authority always do a good job about preparing and warning them before they, you know, get up in there. But it, it, so far, that has not been an issue, but, it, you know, if they keep releasing more elk, it can be. <laughs> okay, so say I'm from Maine or Texas or Nebraska, and I, I'm ready to come check out the Hatfield-McCoy trails. What do I do first? 
Well, it really just depends. I, I think for someone that's brand new that doesn't know anything about the trails, I would probably visit the main Hatfield-McCoy trail website to see which area that they it would fascinate them or maybe draw more interest to where they would want to go. Um, I think you can find them at trailsheaven.com. And then after that, you just they, they list a little bit of everything about each trail that they offer. So I think for a rider that's never been to West Virginia, you know, to see what part and it can be overwhelming because if you get on social media and you, and you put on there, I'm a first time rider, then everybody's kind of hammering you with, oh, I think you need to stay at my place. And I think you need to eat here. And I think you need to do that for a first time rider. That can be a little overwhelming. So if, if I were doing it, if I was an Allentowner, I would probably start with the main website first and just kind of read a little bit of history. They do a great job about describing each, each trail and see which, you know, you know, are you coming strictly for the harder trails? Are you coming for the history, you know, the historical side of it and the trails, whatever caters to you and your family or you and your fellow riders? Okay, so it, it does cost money to ride the trails. How, what, how much does it cost and how can they get that uh, licensing certification, whatever you want to call it, permit? They can get it on that if they want to do it online. Um, it's at trailsheaven.com, I believe is their website. And, and you can Google Hatfield McCoy Trails and it, it'll take you there. But a lot of your local cities and towns um, that have lodging or gas stations or um, Convention of Visitors Bureau like, like ourselves, they sell trail permits. So you can actually buy them in the city or the town that you go to. And there should be a list of them. Um, you know, either on the CVB website or on the trail website, but it's actually, you know, for an outdoor um, adventure like this, it's, I think it's very reasonably priced for $50. You get to ride it for a complete year. So wow. um, you can, the trails unlimited. So I don't think that that's unreasonable um, to come as many times as you want. And then, um, then if you have um, like we're seeing with our new fest, our festival at the end of the month, um, we're seeing a lot of first time riders, um, they get the trail also allows us to give them what we call temporary passes so for instance if you pre-registered for our event you'll get a wristband that's good for riding the trails from april the 28th through may the 1st and i think that's a really good idea because i think for a first-time rider it, it you know it allows them to experience the trails and to decide whether or not they ever want to come back and if they do, they can they can buy a permanent one. That's good, you know, for a year after that. So it gives them a little taste. Sure, uh, it's like, like a it's like a free sample almost, you know, uh, priming yeah. the pump. Exactly, and then of course with our festival, we always throw in a little extra fun. Um, we have a mud pit, a drag race, and things like that that some people love to do and some people don't. It just really depends on the rider. Uh, we do a parade, you know, we just have fun with it. But it does give them like a little sample, a little taste of, you know, is this what I want to do or not? Because some people are hesitant to go ahead and buy that, you know, years past if they've never ridden here before. Um, because they, you know, what if they don't end up liking it or it's not for mm -hmm. them or maybe it's too hard or too challenging. The good thing about the Hatfield-McCoy trail system is they do a great job marking the, you know, and putting up signs. Hey, this is the easy trails. These are the harder trails. This is where you need to stay at. So, you know, kind of like I have a to ski resort almost the green trails, <laughs> blues and blacks. Yes. Gotcha. Yes. They provide maps. You can actually download them online 
or you can do paper mats. Some of them, you know, some people like the, the paper maps tend to be, I think, more updated, but there are some really good online maps that you can download um, that people recommend as well. But um, because it could be, you know, you could get lost. If those trails weren't marked, it would be very easy to get lost. You would end up in Timbuktu. But um, they do a great job with marking them and letting them know where you're at, what trail number you're at, and things like that. So, <clears throat> so um, say someone comes from a, a metropolitan area, they want to do the entire thing rurally. They want to do the uh, I want to be in the sticks kind of thing. You mentioned that people can ride into town, they can lodge in town. There's cabins and everything. What if they wanted to? you know, rough it out in the woods, you know, is, is there, are there designated camping sites or can you just pull off wherever you are and set up camp there? There are, um, you know, again, I can only speak for Mingo County and I'm sure this is with other counties as well. Um, Mingo County's blessed with a little bit of everything. Um, you know, trail riders over the years, it's kind of changed. You know, they, they were kind of, um, you know, didn't really care where they stayed. They were just here for the trails and, um, you know, they would, they would pretty much set up camp or just get in a hotel room and just, you know, go wherever. Now we're seeing a trend where they're bringing maybe their family members and their children. So they're looking for a little bit more, um, diversity, if you will, of where to stay. So Mingo County's blessed with that. We have everything from from, you know, if you want to bring an RV in and leave it for a week and, um, you know, there's even places where you can leave it for a month and come back and ride. That way you don't have to bring it every single time. No, um, we, that's have convenient. we have tent sites, um, you know, it, it really is. But if you don't like that and if you want a hotel or if you want an Airbnb or a bed and breakfast, you know, we have everything from, you know, where if you want to rent a house, if, ten, if you and 10 of your buddies are coming, um, you guys can just get together and just rent it and, you know, park there and then just, you know, have have it like a guy's not out or a girl's not out or a family not, you know, just keep it all together. But there are multiple places and choices that you, that you can choose. It has a little bit of everything for everyone. Now, with the trail system, you come out there, you start riding. Is there a time that you're supposed to be off the trail? Like, does it have a closing time? Yeah, they, they recommend that you be off um, at dark. So they don't really have a set time. So you just kind of go by because the trail's not lit. And, okay. um, you, you know, for safety issues for the riders, um, the trail authority just asks that you be off before it gets dark. Okay. So uh, we went in depth with the the Hatfield and McCoy trail. So now we're going to talk about where you are, the Tug Valley, Williamson. And we're going to talk about what Williamson would have to offer people coming out to ride Buffalo Mountain or Devil Ants or uh, what was the other one? Rock House. Rock House, that's right. So uh-huh. you mentioned Dirt Days, and that's uh, April 28th to May 1st. Yes. It's coming up soon. So Williamson also has something called the Coal House. Talk about the Coal House. Ew. Um, the Coal House is probably <laughs> our iconic <laughs> uh, building in the city. It was actually made of coal. And um, a lot of people find that very fascinating. It is our Chamber of Commerce, um, but you can go in there and buy souvenirs and 
Um, the people that run it will tell you a little bit of history of the Cole House and then um, the Half of McCoy's uh, fuse. And you can buy T-shirts and things like that as well. Um, it's a pretty unique building. Um, it's not every day that you see a structure made of coal. <laughs> so we always recommend that anybody that comes into town to either check it out or take a picture in front of it because it is it is very iconic. And if it were to ever catch on fire, it would burn for literally weeks. So, you know, it's just um, <laughs> it's something amazing to see. Um, you know, coal is such a huge part of our heritage, and I'm glad that we've been able to keep it up. Uh, the chamber has done a great job with keeping that. And, um, you know, I think I always encourage anyone that ever asks me or calls me and says, hey, what are there? You know, we, we want to see some really neat places. What are there? You know, what is there to do? Some history, things like that. That's one of the places I refer them to. So uh, you can also access a lot of the Hatfield McCoy feud sites from Williamson. They're all fairly close. Yes, yes. Most of the sites there, there are driving tours where we are so close to William uh, to Kentucky. I'm sorry. Um, you can actually just tour, just make a big loop and see it all, really. Um, with the town of Mate One, it's just probably, you know, by car, 10 minutes, 15 minutes away from us, not very far at all. If you're on the trails, you can ride into the town of Mate One as well. It's a little bit farther, um, takes a little bit longer time on the trails, but I highly recommend you visit Mate One because that's where most of it occurred. Um, but just so, so much history. And then you can cross over on the Kentucky side, uh, which is Pike County, Kentucky. And they have certain parts, um, you know, that they have designated for people to stop and see and take pictures. If you're fascinated with the Hatfield McCoy feud story, um, you know, you can actually visit these places. And we have maps and we have uh, information about those places that you can stop and visit. I think one of the biggest things that kind of, you know, everybody's always kind of been fascinated with a story, but when the uh i think it was at the history channel that aired the mini series about the hatfield mccoy yes uh feud and it was kevin costner and bill paxton that mm -hmm. played in that it kind of renewed the interest because they did such a great job yes. with that series i actually happened to catch it when it first came out so it kind of renewed um everybody's interest in it and then of course our next door neighbor which is logan county uh devil Anse's grave is located at sarah ann which is not too far from gilbert but it's on the logan county side so you can actually go to his grave and see his italian marble statue it's really neat and they just opened up i think a half of mccoy museum um that used to be devil Anse's old home in logan county so wow. it's, it's really neat now, do y'all get a lot of railroad enthusiasts down there with y'all's rail yard? Absolutely. We've got a huge railroad yard, and that that's really what Williamson was known for for so many years. And um, unfortunately, it's not the same as it was, you know, 30, 40 years ago. But we still get a lot of um, people that come into town or that call that's very interested in it. Uh, we're one of the very few towns that still has a roundhouse. If you're familiar with railroads and you know what that is, I think there's only two left in the country, um, if I'm not mistaken. And Williamson has one of the only ones. So, um, you know, people are very fascinated with that. So we always like to um, talk to those people. And uh, a lot of people will call and share memories of seeing um, the, the circus train that used to go through here or the, you know, N&W or whoever it was, come, the old steam engines and things like that. It, it's very, it's, it's such a sight to see when you go by there. So speaking of railroads, right outside of Williamson is the Dingus Tunnel. Why is the Dingus Tunnel called America's <laughs> bloodiest tunnel? Well, Dingus Tunnel is actually, it's probably about 10, 15 minutes past Williamson. It's on your way to Logan County. Um, it, it's really, it's very fascinating. I get a lot of calls about that as well. 
Um, it has kind of a haunted history behind it because Ooh. it was built, and I could be mistaken, I don't have it in front of me right now, I believe around the 1800s by slaves. And um, they said a lot of things went really wrong when they were building it, and a lot of people died while they were building it, and then some hung themselves. So the story behind wow. it kind of deep and sad. So they believe that, that that tunnel is haunted, and a lot of people will come specifically just to see that. Now, bef- back, um, I think they got, they renovated it. I want to guess, I, I don't want to mess up my times, maybe about three to five years ago. Um, before they renovated it and put lights in it, it was completely dark. Now, this this tunnel is still functioning. You can actually still go through it. It's a little bit safer today because it is well lit. No, you um, don't want safe. You want scary. <laughs> well, before that, it was not. So you had to <laughs> literally play chicken and decide if you want to go through this very long tunnel. And if one of you, like if another car is coming from the other end and you meet up with that car, one of you has to back out. And the pitch black because there was no light during that time. Oh, gee whiz. No, that's no, that sounds fun. Okay. So, uh, the, uh, Dingus tunnel, it sounds pretty fun for me. My wife would love to go there. So, uh, when we would go there, uh, we might stay in the Mountaineer hotel. What exactly, uh, is Mountaineer hotels claim to fame? Oh gosh. The Mountaineer has been, it's, it's another iconic place in Williamson that I always refer people to. It was built. Um, I, I don't want to get my date wrong, but I want to say around 1925 or 1926. It's one of the oldest buildings that we have here in Williamson, but it's very fascinating. And, um, or it could be, I'm sorry, it could be 1922. It was in the twenties. Let's just say that. All right. But <laughs> those, I, it's in the twenties. I know for sure. I apologize. I don't have the dates in front of me. But um, the the Mountaineer Hotel, A, is just, it's a beautiful hotel. When when you first drive up to it, you'll probably think I'm crazy for saying that because the outside of it looks a little, you know, it is is an old hotel. Um, It's not one of your chain hotels with a big swimming pool or anything like that. But once you walk through those doors, you absolutely feel like you're taking a step back in time. I cannot begin to tell you how beautiful the lobby of that hotel is. It, it, I feel like I've taken a step back into the 20s and everything. Um, the previous owners, it was an attorney and his girlfriend, I believe, that re- restored it to what it was. Did such a great job with keeping things in that era, such as the telephones, the mailboxes, the way the lobby is set up. One of the chandeliers in the Mountaineer is like the chandelier. There's only two chandeliers like this in the world, and the other one is at the White House. So it's it's elegant, and it's very beautiful, but they also welcome uh, trail riders and stuff, too. So it's kind of like a catch-all for everything. Um, People have everything from weddings to um, receptions to dances there. But then you also have a group of trail riders that will stay there as well. So it's very fascinating. But I think that probably what it's mostly known for is um, the famous people that stayed there. Every room that you stay in is named after a famous person that stayed there. For example, JF Ken- uh, JFK was there. Hmm. Uh, uh, Loretta Lynn stayed there. Oprah Winfrey stayed there. Um, wow. Eleanor, Roosevelt- <laughs> Eleanor Roosevelt stayed there. So there were a lot of famous people that visited this area. So the hotel decided to name the rooms after those famous people. Henry Ford stayed there too. And this is going to yeah. sound far-fetched for listeners, but the, like the foyer of this hotel Reminds me of something that you would see on the Titanic. Yes. 
it, it truly does. I'm not joking when I say when you walk, because you, when you're standing out front, you're thinking, oh, wow, I'm not sure about this. But then when you walk through <laughs> those doors, you do get that sense of nostalgia. And it's just, you know, you do feel like you're taking a step back in time. And I feel like I should have, you know, a dress on from the 20s or on the, you know, on the Titanic or something. But it, it's just, it's absolutely, even if you don't stay there, I would highly recommend anybody that comes to Williamson, go in and take a look at it, take pictures. Um, they, you know, there, there's very friendly staff there. They're very welcoming. They have a little uh, cafe now call, uh, uh, that serves coffee and stuff. So you can actually spend time there and just kind of um, learn a little about the history of it. They have pictures of JFK when he was there. Um, really unique uh, railroad stuff, just the coal mining stuff, things throughout the years that they kept. And um, it's really just, I can't, you know, I can't explain enough how beautiful it is. It's just amazing. Well, speaking of historic structures, we're going to ask you about the one that you are the most familiar with. It was the old Williamson Hospital, and you are co-owner of that. I am, yes. (laughs) So let's talk about the old Williamson Hospital and why it's an attraction now. I have a feeling I know why. Go ahead and tell us about it. Well, um, the old Williamson Memorial Hospital, the one that uh, myself and my business partner purchased in 2020, um, was built in uh, March of 1928. Well, it opened in March of 1928. So basically, I have a 94-year-old hospital. And along with that hospital, I have uh, one of the first nurses' colleges in the state of West Virginia. Now, unfortunately, it's not open to the public because I got we have to do a lot of renovations on her. Half of the roof has collapsed on it, so it's not safe. But to be as old as they are, both structures are still pretty good. Um, they're amazing. Um, I was actually born in that hospital. No, I'm not 94, but I was born. <laughs> you weren't the first one. I wasn't the first one born there. Um, It stayed as a functioning hospital until around 1988. And then they built a newer Williamson Memorial Hospital um, a little bit farther up on the hill from that one. And they kept my hospital open for like doctors, offices, clinics, uh, pediatric offices and things like that. It didn't shut down until 2014 and they just basically used it for storage. And then um, in 2020, both Williamson Memorial Hospital shut down for good. So when they did that, um, a local doctor purchased the one up on the hill, the newer one. And then me and my business partner stepped in and bought the old hospital and the nurses college um, for several reasons. One, um, like I said, I was born there. My business partner was born there as well. And then I also lost two grandparents that I never met there. So um, it was a little bit of sentimental value for me. And um, I love history and I love old buildings. And it played such a vital role in our community. Um, We were a coal mining town. We were also a railroading town. So a lot of people, um, you know, that came through those doors, it it just, you know, hospitals are just so full of history anyway. I mean, that's where life starts. That's where people's lives end. So I just, I didn't want to take the chance of somebody maybe purchasing and either tearing it down and just making it a parking launch or maybe somebody purchasing it and just letting it rot and not doing anything with it so um i took a gamble i've never done this before it was a risk i've never done business on my own before but i it was just such a unique building that i felt like needed to be saved and had so many stories to tell and if you've ever seen this building 
um, it's just an amazing structure. I mean, to be a 94 year old hospital, she's still in great shape. She does look a little creepy, but she overlooks <laughs> the, uh, she, she overlooks the city of Williamson. So Sounds like my okay. neighbor. She looks a little creepy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a, little, a little creepy, but uh, it really is an amazing facility. And, um, you know, you would expect a building that old to be, you know, have a lot of holes in the floor and a lot of damage and stuff, but it does not. They, it's actually in, in really good shape. Um, so, uh, you know, we, we wanted to preserve it and keep it and we opened it up to the public in February of 21. So we've only been open a little over a year. So the hospital now is called the old hospital on college Hill, correct? Correct. Yes. Um, real quickly, have you had any weird experiences happen to you in that hospital? Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) You know, there's a lot of people that come to visit it for the historical side of it. Um, You know, people that are in the medical field or just, you know, people that used to work there and stuff love the history of the building. But there's also the paranormal and the and the ghost side story of it as well. The spooky side of it. Um, It is a spooky building. I'm not going to lie. But um, I, you know, I've had my fair shares of, uh, oh, my gosh, what did I do? What did I get into? But um, uh, just things, just for example, some of the, it started off with like small things. Uh-huh. I would go and uh, shut a door and I'd walk down the hallway and it would open back up. <laughs> so I would go back and shut it again and it would open back up. So I was like, OK, I'll leave it open. It doesn't want to be shut or lots would flicker on and off in the building where there was no power. So that was kind of creepy. Neat. Yeah. Or I would be on one floor of the hospital and then I would hear some of the equipment beeping where there was no power to the hospital and they are not plugged up. We don't keep any of the equipment plugged up. So you could you could hear that that, you know, whether it was a a heart machine or whatever it was, you could hear it beeping. I'm getting I'm getting cold chills. (laughs) When we first purchased it, the elevator, the 94 year old elevator didn't work because some vandals had broken in. And of course, you know, looking for copper wires and stuff like that. And they'd done some damage to it. Thankfully, uh, my business partner was able to um, to get it up and running. And um, but before it was running, we would have groups come in and um, they would get the dinging, you know, when an elevator will stop on the floor and it will ding, they would get the dinging of the elevator stopping on floors when it wasn't even running at the time. So things like that just kind of, you know, is spooky. Um, Another thing that happened to me was um, on the second floor and I was walking by a room and I heard a male's voice go, Hey, I thought it was the group that spent the night investigating the night before and because there was two males in that group. So I'm texting them going, hey, are you all still in the building? And they were like, no, we left an hour ago. But we <laughs> need to tell you, as we were packing up our stuff, we kept hearing a male's voice on the second floor. So I was like, geez, man, you, I wish you would have told me that before because the hairs on my arms started standing up. Um, not sure who he was. Um, you know, there's a lot of stories that kind of haunt the hospital. I don't know if it was one of them or if. You know, he was thought I was a nurse or a patient. I'm not sure who he was, but I never did find him. So it kind of um, kind of made the hair stand up on my arm a little bit. Wow. So uh, <laughs> when everyone comes to Williamson, make sure you check out the old hospital on College Hill. Check it out on the web at www.collegehillhospital.com. So that's going to do it for this episode. And uh, we really, really appreciate your time. Uh, Tanya and uh, talking about the Hatfield McCoy trail, Mingo County, and, and basically Williamson in general. 
Yes, thank you guys for having me. And we would love for your listeners to come and visit us. Um, feel free to give us a call or check out our website, our CVB website. We're under Tug Valley Area CVB. Um, I'll be the one that you'll probably talk to. And, if, you know, if you have any interest of seeing any of these places or riding the Hatfield McCoy trails, you know, I'll help you any way I can. All right. Hey, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. You both. Oh, one last question. What if someone doesn't have a motorized ATV, motorcycle, whatever? Can they rent one? Oh, absolutely. We have several places, um, no matter where you stay. Uh, we have people that rent the side-by-sides, and then we also have a lot of tour guides. Um, if you're not familiar with it and you're kind of scared to go up there by yourself for the first time, we have some great tour guides in the area that will take you and show you around and get you familiar with the trails and even take you on a certain um, spots if you want to visit some of the Hatfield McCoy spots and we even have some tour guides that do um, we coordinate with them at the hospital so um, we do uh, trail riders tours for them at the old hospital so once they get off the trails they'll just ride on up to the hospital and take about a two-hour tour of the hospital you know when they get done so um, you know they'll help you any way that they can Um, but yes there's definitely a lot of places and machines that you can rent Definitely, you know, different places that that will help you, and the tour guides are there as well. So once again, uh, we'd like to thank Tanya Webb uh, from the Tug Valley Area Convention and Visitors Bureau. Thank you so much. You've been so knowledgeable, and we love the personality and especially the accent. Love it. <laughs> thank you. Kind of comes with the territory. So now, can you can you hear an accent in me at all? No, no, not at all. What about Jerry? Do you need? To, I'll talk to you for a little bit here if it'll help you out. But it is not a West Virginia accent. He still has the Texas accent. Oh, that's funny. But that's cool though. I, I think all accents are cool as long as everybody can understand me. Then I'm good to go. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a big fan of the Cockney British accent, like on Peaky Blinders, the show. Not a big fan of that. You know, they're speaking English, but I need subtitles to understand what they're saying. Not a big fan. So, <laughs> Tanya, thanks again, and uh, this is going to wrap it up for our. Hatfield McCoy Trail episode. I'm James. And I'm Jerry. You've been listening to West Virginia Talk, a J&J production.